0: Give you a quiz. Got that paper in front of you. <coughs> We're going to do a quiz, and this is t- <coughs> excuse me. This is taken from sixth grade exams, 1999. Okay, so uh, that might put it into the spot of okay, what did they study in their social science, maths, things like that. So I want to put the questions up here. Give you a couple of minutes. You can just write down your answers, and then I'll give you the answers that are you know probably correct more correct than what I would have written down, but to match up, and then we'll give you the scale on how that works. Steve mentioned to me, he said, this could be very discouraging this evening. Okay, doing it, I think you guys would do great. Here's some of the questions, just answer. Why don't, answer, why don't fish close their eyes when they sleep? What's the longest mountain chain in the U.S.? <coughs> what do insomniacs have trouble with? What is an arachnid? How old is the peace porridge in a pot? Uh, what is the tiniest bone in the human body? What U.S. city is the windy city? What season of the year does an Indian in summer occur in? What arm should a bicyclist use to indicate a right turn? What is the longest side of the right triangle called? Got you a couple minutes. Again, you can work with one another, okay? You at home, Google real quick get your answers, okay? We'll give you about a couple minutes to just write down your answers then we'll compare notes. And we should be doing the Jeopardy theme song right now, right? if you see somebody really really smart feel free to get up walk over to the auditorium and sit with them and get their answers college students have this down pat there's answer at the top right You got them all. Yeah, just about thirty seconds. Gary, that's such a smart way. That's such a smart way to do it. Turn to your daughter and have her answer these. That's that's brilliant. You deserve genius out of that alone. <laughs> Okay, let's see how you did on this thing, okay? Why don't fish close their eyes when they sleep? Yeah, no eyelids. What's the longest mountain chain in the United States? Rockies. What do insomniacs have trouble doing? Okay, I was going to put staying awake in my service. But uh, sleeping is it? What's an arachnid? No, it's a spider. How old is the peas porridge in a pot? Oh, you guys are good. What tiniest bone in the human body? Yeah, okay, it's stirrup in the inner ear. What's the windy city? It's Chicago. What season of the year does an Indian summer occur in? You got it. What arm should you use to indicate a right turn? Yeah, the left arm. What's the longest side of the right triangle called? Oh, you guys are good. Okay, got your number of your right answers? Here you go. Here's the scale. If you're able to get ten right, you're a genius. Okay. Do we have a bunch of you here? Okay, this one. If eight or nine, you're really smart. If you're six or seven, you're above average. Five, you're average. Three or four, not too sharp okay one or two you should have repeated the sixth grade okay so you figure out where you're at on that one and you can compare notes and if you've got none wow where did you go to school is the question okay let's uh let's get into a wisdom passage okay in proverbs it's talking about getting smart but it's not about the smart of getting good grades proverbs is four is in a section of the book of proverbs that's talking about getting wisdom and when he's talking about it it's a dad talking to his son probably even an adult age son talking to him and saying you need to get wisdom. What's interesting in the book of Proverbs, that word, that phrase, that idea of getting wisdom shows up 125 times in the 30 some chapters. And so it's a major theme, especially in the first nine chapters. The first nine chapters over and repeatedly is get wisdom, get wisdom, hang on to wisdom. If you get, and sometimes it'll say get wisdom, sometimes it'll have the idea of get understanding, get insights, get that, uh, get information. The word that is most frequently used is hakam. It's the idea idea of being skillful. Skillful like um, it could be used in describing somebody who's a musician. Skillful somebody who is doing architecture work or fine art or was doing the trim work on the tabernacle, on the temple, and they were very skilled at that artisan work. Well, this is skillful living when it comes to following God's principles and applying them to how you live. And so the idea is that if you and I are going to get this wisdom, it all starts where? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Okay, the fear of the Lord, having a right understanding of who we are before God Almighty. And so this passage is talking about, and if you read through Proverbs 4, and starting with the first verse, hear you children, the instruction of a father, attend to no understanding. I give you good doctrine, forsaking not my law. And he goes on, talks about, for I was my father's son, tender, only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her. Wisdom now is portrayed as a woman. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting. Get understanding. Exalt her. She shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when you do embrace her. She shall give your head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to you. Hear, my son, receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths and then he goes on make some other comments. And so the idea of getting this wisdom often comes, and especially back then, in, an, in a society that was very given to oratory, listening, learning audibly. We, we are in a different society. We learn a lot by the reading and the aspect of listening to other devices, or doing work on our devices. But back then, most all the information was communicated by somebody speaking. And the ones who were in the best position to give wisdom were obviously the parents. And that's true yet today. Parents are the ones that can really give the wisdom on how to live skillfully. Another thought, as before, we jump into it, is this wisdom that he's talking about doesn't change from gener- generation to generation. Information does, science does. Technology does. But basic living wisely, it doesn't change from generation to generation. And he's talking about that, how how his grandfather taught his father and his father taught him. He makes a comment here that is critical for you and I in 2021. He is saying that this wisdom, learning God's word and how it applies to our everyday life, is the principal thing. It is the best training we can get. Better than vocational skills, better than academic skills and degrees, Better than having all kinds of summa cum laude or magna cum laude, those types of things. Getting this type of wisdom on how to live, how to conduct yourself, is the best part of training you can possibly get. It exceeds anything that would help you in making money and career. And there's several reasons given in the passage, okay, because it benefits us in such a phenomenal way. He says in the text that we read, as just as an overview, he says that if you get this type of wisdom, this training, it'll help you to have a long life slash full life. Okay, learning how to be able to do mechanical skills or carpentry skills or uh, learning engineering skills, those are all great. And the medicines, I'm so glad people study that. But he's saying this type of training, this type of learning, this type of focusing attention will help you to have a fullness of life. It'll help you to have a complete life. In fact, he goes on, he says, it's going to preserve you, protect you from many of the trials and the troubles that come into so many people's lives. Now, we get trials, we run into them, and the Lord brings them to help train us, but we who are following the Word of God are going to avoid a lot of problems that other people get themselves into because we're applying God's Word to how we should live, how we should be honest and moral and upright, and we avoid a lot of those problems. That's what he's talking about. And it'll bring an honor to you. He says that she, the wisdom, will promote thee. It will bring you honor and give you an, a head of, on your head an ornament of grace. That is an ornament of, of... The idea of grace there is respect from others and a crown of glory. So he's given that as a background in the first few verses. What I want to jump to is the last few verses. As he winds down this passage and says, listen to your parents, listen to what we're saying. He's going to talk about, in the last few verses, about certain areas, four areas in particular... That we need to be careful in applying God's word, getting wisdom to our life. Well, if these four areas are mentioned, they're important for us to focus on. And again, these four areas are very practical, but he's going to, after he's given this dialogue of get wisdom, especially apply it in these four areas. That means that these four areas and how we live in these four ways, they better line up with scripture. We better compare. How do I do when it comes to this one area and this area and this area? Am I following scripture? Not does it feel good? Not is this what others are doing? What does the Bible say in this area? And these four areas for those of you who are parenting and in that phase yet. These are four areas that it's obvious you must be teaching your kids. Those of us who are grandparents. He even says in the verses that we read that even grandparents are passing on information about these four areas that we have to address to help our children, our grandchildren, great grandchildren to be wise people. What are those four areas? First of all, he talks about what you think. He says, apply God's wisdom to how you think. What you think about. Go down into verse 23 with me. He says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out it are the issues of life. And so let's dissect that that passage. And it makes perfect sense that we're supposed to be wise in what we think about. Because we read in Proverbs elsewhere that as a man thinks, that is how the person is. So he is. And so when we look at the passage, keeping your heart with all diligence. Let's just dissect that phrase. The idea of the heart isn't this muscle. Okay, what does he mean by heart in ancient Near Eastern thought? When they talk about heart, what is he talking about? Okay, your innermost being. He's talking about that uh, idea of not the muscle or or your feelings, but rather what you think about, what you value, what is important to you. uh, What is your priority? It's your personality, your being. And so he's talking about, okay, this, we would say it's your mind or your spirit. But he's talking about that idea, keep your heart, keep your thought life. Out of it are the issues of life. That gets a little bit cumbersome to figure out, okay, exactly what does he mean? In the Hebrew, it has the idea which out of which are the well the things from which other things come shooting out, come bursting out, come flowing out of your decisions for what you do, what's important, what you purchase, who you hang around with. That is true, okay? What we think upon, here, here's an interesting observation, okay? You probably think very similarly in the political thought, uh, very similar to the people that you are hanging around with. And so when somebody says, well, everybody I know is thinking this way, well, that makes perfect sense because you're going to make the decision to hang around people that think and value the way you do. And so we we do that in, some of you have in entertainment. You hang around people with the same type of entertainment, that they do the same type of hobbies. They have the same interests. That makes perfect sense. Your choice of friendships is based upon what you think, what you value. If you value hunting, if you value shopping, if you value gardening, well, that's going to influence what you do, what you invest in, what you spend time in. That's what he's talking about is be careful what you think about that because that is going to impact how you live. And he literally in the Hebrews, you keep your heart with great diligence. The idea is you guard it, you protect your mind, you protect your thinking, not just once in a while, but with great diligence is constantly, you have to be doing this. You are really observant of, I want to protect my mind. I don't want to let in thoughts or ideas that are counter or contrary to the word of God. Now let's make some application to that. Okay. That means that when we, when we think, when we establish ideas, when we come to conclusions, our conclusions need to be based upon God's word, okay? Let me give you some of the options that people will go to rather than God's word. That is the idea. We don't make our opinions or our decisions based upon what is popular, the polls. We don't make our our conclusions, our decisions upon what is my family's thinking, That might be good if they're lined up with the Word of God, but if they're not lined up with the Word of God, we got a problem. What about my favorite teacher? This was their point of view. So I'm going to adopt what they said. That's great. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that as long as it lines up with the word of God. We need to make sure that it is the word of God that's directing our thinking, not just some of the popular commentaries, popular shows, programs, news programs. What does God's word say about this point of view? When it comes to what your people will often think, what makes me the most money? That's going to determine my ethics. That ought not to be that way. That ought not be the way, what is the most, what makes me the most popular at school that's going to determine what I value, what I talk about, how I talk. Or I want to keep my friends like me. Or I have a favorite celebrity, you know, singer or, or movie person, and they, they think that this is okay, therefore it must be okay. And we're talking about this idea of how we make decisions, conclusions about such things as this. What about abortion and divorce? Even in the Christian community, there's debate now over what about these issues that are very important issues in our society at this point. Well, is your opinion based upon the Word of God or upon what is popularized? What is going to help you advance your career? What is your friend saying? What does the Word of God say about these issues? What does the Word of God say about drinking alcohol, responding to government? What does it say about being involved in church? And be involved in ministry. What does the word of God say about repentance, making restitution? When the word of God talks about or says, okay, if you have a conflict, what do you, how do you handle it? Not what did your family do, what do your friends think? What does the word of God say about handling conflict? Handling somebody where there's an offense. Do you need to make restitution? Do you, what is what is Repentance. What about, what about this? How we value our possessions. How we handle our trials. Well, this is what I was taught. This is the way my mom and dad always handled it. When they had, when they had problems, here's what they did. That's good. That's, that may be okay, but does it line up with the word of God? What does the word of God say about our trials? What does the word of God say about the idea of how we should conduct ourselves in dating? You know, there's, there's a conflict in the world today that says, hey, if you're dating, what you need to do is you need to, before you get married, try the shoe on, make sure it fits. Even to the area of sexual activity. Is that what the Word of God says? Not just what is popular. What does the Word of God say about conflicts between individuals that are, that are in this? Do you hate that person for the rest of your life? What about your parenting? What does the Word of God say about parents disciplining their kids? I know it's not popular. I know that we are decried and we are, we are criticized for if we practice discipline. But what does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God say? that you are supposed to be abusive? Are you supposed to be doing any kind of physical punishment? What about the Word of God when it comes to treating the poor? Not just what does everybody else around you do? Drive by, ignore, have nothing to do with them. What does the Word of God tell you to be doing about that? In your thinking when it comes to how do we relate to the widows within the ministry? What does the Word of God tell you you're supposed to be doing as far as being an encouragement and personally visiting and trying to reach out to them? What about the Word of God telling you how you treat your spouse? Not just what do your coworkers tell you to do when it comes to, okay, we're having some conflicts in our, in our marriage and relationship, conflicts with our kids, and my coworkers say this is what I should do. That, that, that may be fine to get an opinion, but doesn't line up with the Word of God. Does the Word of God tell you, if there's conflicts in your marriage, that what you should do is you should bail? You should give up. You know, what does the Word of God... Your thinking is so important, because if you're thinking it is okay to bail, that's going to influence your decisions, your commitment. If you're thinking it's okay, because everybody at work says, turn in a fraudulent insurance claim, you know, and that's popular, well, that's going to influence what you do and you, how you handle those finances. If, if you're getting the, if you're getting influenced by the popular culture that says gay rights are okay and we, we should be just more receptive and, and open, that could dictate some actions. Okay, But then the flip side of it is some of the actions in the conservative circle, we got to be careful we don't swing the pendulum and do what some groups do and, and hate those people and mock those people and, and tear down those people. We're supposed to be loving. We love the sinners. We hate the sin, but we do love the sinners and want to sh- portray the gospel to them. We know that God hates that, that sin. But God, at the same time, he loved the world, he died for those individuals. They need to know that he cares for them and will forgive them of whatever sin. And so it makes a difference how we think, has an influence how we act. So he warns us, make sure you think. There's a missionary that wrote about how he and his personal experience, he was in, in uh, college at the time, and he talked about how he's in the Midwest, and most of the area is flat. And so when he come to the to intersections where there are stoplights, he could see... There wasn't that much, you know, as far as buildings and things. And he could determine, okay, there's a car way over there. I can get through this red light. Instead of stopping and waiting for that car and the entire red light and nobody else coming through, you know, he started to practice thinking, it's okay. Why waste my time? And so he started training himself that what he would do is he would bring his foot off the gas and then hit the brakes a little bit and then hit the gas, you know, to get through and not wait. And he says it became more and more of a, of a practice that he started shooting through more and more, even slowing down less. But he was training himself to just look. And he says one day he was driving along, and he could see there was a good wide opening space. And he saw that there was no cars coming. The light was red. And so then all of a sudden he saw a car coming over the hill. And when he took a second look at that car, uh, he realized, uh-oh, that car has bubbles on top of it. It's lights. It's a state police car. So he said he reacted this way, you know, he stopped because he had already been speeding up. He stopped as hard as he could, kind of came to one of those sliding stops. And he says all he got from the state policeman was a dirty look as he went through the green light and passed. But he said what scared him more wasn't that he almost, you know, could have gotten a ticket, but he said my physical reaction I have been training my body so much that, okay, what you do is take your foot off, hit the brake a little bit, and hit the gas. Then he said, when I saw that police car, I was in that mode, but all of a sudden I did the same thing unconsciously. I did, this, I did it again. I took my foot off, I hit the brake, and then I immediately went back to the gas and hit the gas really hard, and then I had to really slam on the brakes and come to the stop. He had been training himself. By his thought process that he had been repeating this pattern so much it almost became an issue that at that moment he would have sped through and could have have had a serious point. His idea was, as he concluded his article, was you and I need to be careful how we think because we create natural reactions to situations and responses. Be careful what you think about. Guard it. Guide it. Make sure it follows. Then he gives another area. Okay, for sake of time, let's go. This is an area that's easy for all of us to handle. We, none of us have any problems with this since it's in verse 24. It's the idea of what we talk, how we talk. In this passage, he says in verse 24, Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. So let's dissect that. And I'm going to ask you the simple question, okay, and as we go through it. To put away is what we read in the Hebrew is the idea of something very intensive. It would be not this idea of, oh, hey, I found this and I'm just going to put it away. It's the idea of all of a sudden, you, you ever have that where all of a sudden you look down and you see a spider, some type of bug, and you just, <clears throat> you know, You're walking through. You're walking through an area woods. Some of you've been on the Arizona mission trips, and you see a rattlesnake. Put it far away. I mean, it's a jump. It's just get away. It's almost like when I ran with you into the hall. We came around the corner. It was just that reaction. Whoa! Okay, you know, get away. Um, You know, it's it's the really intensive reaction of get this far from you is the idea. Okay. Throw it away from you. You you got the idea. And he's going to say certain speech, get it far from you. Don't even have it in your closet. Just absolutely put this out of your vocabulary. And he describes a froward mouth. What is a froward mouth? What's that? Speaking without thinking? That is definitely a problem. Foolish? Okay, the word literally is this, the word is crooked, perverse, okay, Uh, something that is, that isn't able to line up, it's out of control. What could therefore be, what could be somebody, a froward mouth, that which is condemned and, but it's controlling them rather than they control it? What's that? Swearing. Swearing? Okay. Getting mad, cursing a rage and anger, something of that sort. Um, gossip, OK? Um, that, that's, that type, that's a froward mark, mouth, basically uncontrolled, something that's crooked. Then he says, perverse lips, put far from you. What is perverse in the Hebrew, it's dishonesty. It is bad speech. Okay, Ephesians 4 would talk about corrupt speech and talk about how there's a variety of different aspects of that corrupt speech. So dishonesty, corrupt talk, it would seem to me that when he says in this passage, put away from you a forward, a forward mouth and perverse lips, put far from you. Okay, again, he, he emphasizes it again. I would think it's not just what you say, but also people talking to you. Obviously, the first application is what what you say, but also you you get away from other people who have this type of speech and don't make it a part of your life. And so we're supposed to be careful what you say as well as be careful what you allow to be said to you. Would that make sense? You put away gossip. In what way? Don't say it, but also don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. And so in that aspect, let, let's just do this for a couple of seconds. You fill in this blank, okay? If we're going to be following the word of God in our speech, we're going to apply what type of speech do we get rid of? We make sure, let's, let's fill in the left-hand column. What type of speech does speech get, get out of here? Put it far from us. Give me ideas. Some of you already mentioned a couple. Swearing. What's that? Lying. Lying. What else? what did you say slander gossip blasphemy good what else deceit complaining do we cover them all okay let's fill in some more we would say lying cursing cussing uncontrolled anger harsh cruel words cutting remarks gossip dirty jokes innuendos none of us thought about this but doesn't proverbs talk a lot about talking too much Yes, no? Yes, it does. It talks about the fool, he talks too much. Okay. Name calling? Okay. Instead of that, what should we be doing? Give me the give me the descriptions of speech that is commended. You have to speak up. Okay. Honesty. Blessing? Kind words? Good. Encouraging. What else do you have? Praising. What about your words going this way to one another? Kindness. We covered them all. Well, let's, let's see. Okay, kindness, you have compliments, gratitude, peaceful words, calm words, self-controlled words, thoughtful words, encouragement, respectful speech, positive speech. There's, um, there's a, an account. Let me see if I can find the, the exact This is from, Wyoming has an area that they call the Bridger Wilderness Area, and in this park, it's specifically designated as a rugged wilderness park where you can camp, but you can do a lot of hiking. And so they call it, and they're in their display on it, a rugged outdoor hiking and rustic, rustic camping experience. Okay, that's what you're getting into and so what they do is they put a suggestion card a couple years back that said, what might we do to improve upon this? Okay? And these are kind of people's suggestions that I look at and say, you, shouldn't, you should have held your speech. You know, sometimes we say things that are just plain... <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like... Oof. Here's what some people suggested at a wilderness, rustic you know, hiking adventure with mountains. Trails should be wider so people can walk holding hands. Another one. Trails should be reconstructed to be smoother. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Comment. Too many bugs and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to get rid of these pests. Another one. Please pave the trails so they can be plowed and free of all snow during the winter months. For a comment, chairlifts need to be in some places so that we can get to the wonderful views without having to hike to them. Why would you go to this park? Comment, the coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please remove them from the wilderness area. Comment, a deer came into my camp and ate all our pickles. Is there a way we can get reimbursed for those pickles? comment escalators would be helpful in the steep uphill sections comment a mcdonald's would be nice at the top of some of the wilderness trails comment the places where trails do not exist are not clearly marked there are too many rocks in this mountain area okay you just look at that and you go that is just plain yeah keep, you know, there's a benefit in our mouths to stop and think, does my speech line up with the word of God? Do I have to comment on everything? And by the way, are we not living in a society that right now says everybody should comment on everything? You don't need to. You don't need to. Be wise. Be careful about your speech. Okay. What you think, what you talk, what you take in, Look at verse 25. In verse 25, an area. And by the way, these are areas you parents are supposed to be talking about with your kids. He says in verse 25, Let your eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Interesting passage. Let thine eyelids look right on. What does it mean, you know, look right on? Is this a Brady Bunch you know, adventure that we're talking about? Hey, this is right on, folk. What does he mean, let your eyes look right on? Okay. Okay? Okay? The Hebrew has this idea, look on, Really, look right on, it's probably a better rendering, look on right, would be your more clear, exact translation. Look on what is right, what is accurate, what is truth. From the original language is the comment. And then he says, look straight before thee. That is the idea, that whatever you just suggested, which is the idea, keep your eyes fixed that way. Don't be distracted. Look on what's right, and then don't look elsewhere. Don't be distracted to veer into some type of an error, error, error. So, you know, that old idea of see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Okay, how do we apply this verse? We need to filter. We need to filter what we take in via, via God's word as the filter. In, in other words, what I mean by that is this. We need to be careful what we're reading, what we're watching, what we're listening to. We need to be careful what we are examining, what we're researching, because we all know that if it's on the Internet, it must be true. Okay, right? Is there a lot of dangerous things on the Internet? There is. Is the Internet a good tool? Yes, no? it is. Okay. Is modern media, is there benefits to it? Can we be using it for the glory of the Lord? Absolutely. But do we need to be careful about what's on TV? what movies we watch, okay? And so we need to be careful about that. We have to ask the question, does this line up with God's word, with God's teaching? Is this true, what's being portrayed, what's being suggested, what's being promoted? Is this true according to the word of God? Is is what I'm watching, let's pick a film. You're watching a movie, you're sitting down and watching it as a family. Is it portraying biblical morality? Is it portraying how we should be relating to, issues and conflicts? It might be adventuresome and interesting, but am I filling my mind with what is biblically, morally right? Looking on what is right. Does it line up with what we read about in Philippians chapter 4? If you jump to the New Testament, and this is, and I'm inviting you, please go to Philippians 4 with me. Please read this with me, okay? Where he talks about what we're to be thinking on Okay, what we're to be taking in. Go to Philippians 4 and follow along as I read. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, my brethren. Finally, this is an important thought I want to share with you. Finally, my brethren. whatsoever Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any, and by the way, the if is not the idea, if this is a remote possibility, literally in the original it says since. Okay. Since this has virtue. And since there is to be praise here, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the peace of God shall be with you. What we, what we bring into our minds, what we use for entertainment, what we let filter through our minds when we're driving down the road and we're listening to the radio. He says, be very careful what you're taking in. Be very careful. And you have to ask the question, does it expose me to worldly thinking? Love not the world, neither the things of the world. And then he goes on, describes the lust of the flesh, pride of life, the lust of the eyes. Okay? And so you have to evaluate according to that which gets a little bit more challenging that says, wait a minute, what I'm supposed to be doing is focusing primarily not just as filtering from the Word of God, but the majority of what I'm letting come in should be what is right, what is righteous per the Word of God. And so we read in Romans chapter 12 this idea, be not conformed to the world, but your mind... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that is, make sure it's good, make, make sure it's of quality. What is the good and acceptable, that which pleases the Lord, the will of the perfect will of God? Have you, by what you've been watching, what you've been reading, what you've been listening to, have you been helping to renew your mind? Or is there some things you say, hey, I, I should be turning this off. I shouldn't be reading this after all. I know everybody at work said it's good, it's great, but it's really not good for my mind. And for the battles that I have, this is something I shouldn't be near. I should just, I shouldn't be doing it. You know, so seriously examine your, what you've been reading, what you've been viewing of late. I know I'm going to, I know I'm sound like an old codger. And some of you say, yeah, but we're in a modern day. I don't think God's principles change. Be holy for I am holy still applies to 2021. But we're Americans, we have more technology. I don't think we get a buy on being worldly. I think we, who are born again, need to sit down and say, what I watch, is it something, would I have others sit down and watch it with me? Would you have your mom do it? Would you have, you know, your most godly, respected friends come in and watch it with you? Let let me challenge you. Just think, would you have Jesus watch it with you? You know, your personal thoughts, filling your mind with what is proper, evaluating what you let into your home. Hey, this is a challenge. You, 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 I, I'm glad I'm, I'm out of the parenting time compared to what some of you are having to deal with. We didn't have to deal with with our kids because the world has changed a lot in the last 15, 20 years. Tremendous amount. But what are you letting your kids watch? What are you watching? letting them watch, You see? This was us. This was me. Okay? And me and my quirkiness. I limited the games that video games my kids could do. You know, and this type of video games. The violent video games. I didn't think they needed to learn how to be more violent. Not my kids. Okay? Um, so to me that was a very important thing that we had to evaluate. How much and what do we let them watch? And applying the word of God. Well, he's talked about what we think, what we talk, what we allow to be brought in. The final idea is where and with whom you travel. Look at verse 26 and 27. He says, ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove your foot from evil. And so we look at that and we just dissect it again. Those words that he says, ponder, consider well. Okay, carefully measure this. Measure what? All your ways. It's, it's the idea of your daily life. Where you're going, what you're doing, the activities you're involved in, who, with whom you hang out. Let them be established. What's that mean? Let them be established. Well, literally, let them be level. Let them be straight. Okay? Do that which is, according to the Word of God, is right. It's proper. It's straight. It is, it is what is the standard okay that people should be following so making sure you're doing that which is you know building upon the rock not upon the sand. He says, turn not, don't be distracted or pull away from, to right or left, from the evil. Remove your foot from it. Get away. Don't even entertain it. In fact, if you look at the previous verses, it gives us more of that instruction. Verse 13, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief their sleep is taken away unless they cause somebody else to fall for they eat the bread of wickedness they drink the wine of violence but the path of the just is as a shine as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day the way of the wicked is as darkness they know that at what they stumble hey they may be popular it may be something that you know there's peer pressure but you and i need to be careful with whom we're traveling with what we're, what we're doing in that regard. And so we have to ask ourselves some questions. Do your friends that you hang with, out with, do they help you spiritually? Now, we're, I'm not talking about your friends who are unsaved that you're trying to reach with the gospel. That's good, and you keep that up. But those who claim to be living for Christ, do they help you spiritually? Do they encourage you to love the Lord and love others? Or are they individuals that they, they pull you away from serving the Lord? They discourage it. They mock it in the lives of others. They may not be the best of friends. Or or here's this, when you're in conversation with your really close friends who are believers in the Lord, do you speak about things that are exalting, honoring, blessing, encouraging, positive, or do you get into gossip? Critical attitudes, tearing down Bible standards, relationships. Relationships. So you get together and some of you ladies get together or some of you guys get together and you're talking and you're with Christian people and you tear down the idea of respecting your husband. You tear down the idea of loving your wife. Those are biblical principles that ought not to be ridiculed and mocked. Those are true principles that we struggle enough with. We don't have to minimize those principles. The idea of, does your time on the computer, who you're spending time with and your friends on there, does it end up speaking of what God would approve of? Or some of the words. What what if your Facebook page got put up here for public display? Would you be embarrassed? Then you shouldn't have been there. You shouldn't have been involved with that. Because Christ already sees it, folk. It's not that private that Jesus doesn't know what you're doing. And so you have to be very, very careful that your interaction is fitting the godly standards. So we put this all together, and we say, okay, we're supposed to be getting wisdom. Solomon's encouraging it. We're supposed to be looking at areas that are very practical. What we think upon, what we take in, what we're talking, how we're talking, how we travel. The New Testament, by the way, encourages us to do the same thing. Just consider what we talked about this morning. Examine yourselves. Well, the examining, not just for communion, but examining whether you're in the faith examining the idea of proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Not not saying what's wrong with it. You have to prove what is right with it. Okay, what about this thought? See then that you walk, the, the words is difficult for some. It's See that you walk very carefully, circumspectly, very carefully, not as the fools, but as wise. Be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There's one other passage I want to close with. Take your Bibles and go to James with me. Join me in the book of James. And here he's talking about wisdom. He's talking about being wise. And he tells us where the wisdom comes from. And what we're supposed to do with it. James chapter 1. And some of you can memorize this and, or quote it. But just turn there and follow along. It says in James chapter 1, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. By the way, he's speaking to believers. This, the word of God has saved you, but the word of God can continue to sanctify you and build you. But, verse 22, <coughs> what does he tell them to do? Be, what? Doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the, of the word and not a doer, he's like the man that does what? What's, this, what's his illustration? Looks in the mirror and does what? Forgets what he looks like. And so he's challenging the believers that you take the word of God as a mirror and look in the word of God and say, what do I look like according to the mirror of the word of God? By the way, the reflection that should come back is Jesus Christ. You should be looking like Christ more and more every day. What we think, how we talk, how we're handling friendships. And so I'm going to challenge you this week. Do this just for fun this week. Whenever you look in the mirror, stop for a moment and say, am I going to be acting, thinking, talking like Jesus Christ did and once? And let the mirror remind you to apply the word of God to what you think, what you, th- what you talk about, what you take in, and where you travel.